Hello, and welcome to the Challenging Your Health Mindset. This is a podcast being sponsored by the Student Health Center and Wellness Initiatives Department. And welcome back. I am so excited to be here with a good friend of mine today. We're going to be talking about financial wellness in that particular dimension of wellness. Uh, Our topic today is investing in your future, budgeting, tithing, and money money idolization. Uh, My special guest here is Dr. Stacy Rhodes. Welcome. Thank you so much. I'm glad to be here. Oh, Anytime I get to hang out with you, I know I'm going to pick up something that's going to make me smarter. It's going to encourage me in my faith walk with the Lord. And so I'm glad to be with you today. Thank you. It truly is a pleasure. So Dr. Rhodes, tell me a little bit about yourself. Absolutely. So I'm executive director of the Center for Financial Literacy, Mm -hmm. and we are three years down the road with the center. And our passion is to just bring education to our student body and the surrounding uh, community around financial literacy, according to biblical principles. Amen. We're going to be discussing budget creation and what real life really costs, tithing and breaking money idolization. Mm. Mm -hmm. Powerful topics especially if you can start thinking about it at a young age so yeah. i appreciate the conversation it is something that we talk with our clients about sure. and really on the forefront of a lot of our students so having said that what advice would you give to your 20 year old self if you could have start thinking about it now <laughs> i would have to admit that when i was in college and i had a lot of distractions i was part of an athletic team I just had a lot available to me at a university that the last thing in my mind was personal finance. My parents are taking care of it. Mm -hmm. Everything's handled right now, right? right? right. And when it comes to debt or big decisions, it's the last thing I want to think about. Mm -hmm. So the biggest thing to the 20-year-old self is start thinking about it. Start asking questions. Start using the resources around you just to start the conversation. Start priming yourself to think through, what am I going to do when I have to deal with some of these concepts down the road? Yeah, yeah. So why is budgeting so important? Well, budgeting is important because it really does impact your financial future. Mm -hmm. So from a secular perspective, without a budget, you're really not going to have a plan for where you're spending your money. Mm -hmm. And you find yourself down the road in a place that you never planned for because you didn't think about it, right? And we didn't plan it. But from a Christian perspective, we take the approach of we're just stewards, Mm. not owners of finances, but we're stewards of our finances. Psalm 24, one says the earth is the Lord's and everything within it. So if we're just stewards of our resources, if we're not budgeting and we're not sitting down and counting the cost, then are we really managing God's money according to what he's laid out for us in, in his word? Yeah. Wow. Can you explain to our listeners how to create a solid budget? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So first of all, with, with our, in a believer system, we would say we've got to sit down and really talk to God about what his calling is for us and what our priorities are. And okay. so I talk to students all the time that we've got to have those goals. We mm-hmm. need to sit down and think, what are we working toward? Mm-hmm. Uh, Zig Ziglar said, if you aim at nothing, you'll hit it every time. Every time. Which is so true. <laughs> so first of all, what are we working toward? Yeah. And then we can get a sense of 
where we need to spend our money. And, and there's really only five uses of money. Oh, we wow. can either give it away. Oh, well. We can use it to live off of. Uh-huh. We can pay our taxes. Oh, we oh. can pay off our debt. Oh, again. Oh, or yeah. we can save it for the future, which is grow. Yeah. So we say live, give, oh, grow. That's wow. the only way you can do it. So I love it. With the budget, I would say figure out where you're trying to go. Really nail down where you're spending your money right now. Mm. First step is look at the past 30 to 60 days. Where's your money going? What are you spending it on? Coffee, Mm. shoes, entertainment, uh, student debt, whatever it is. And then start thinking through, well, what am I working toward? The longer term your perspective, the better decision today. If I know that I need to have an emergency savings fund, then that $100 has got to go somewhere, right? We've got to start directing it. And so once we know where we're at, have an idea of where we want to go, then we sit down and start building out a budget to identify where every single dollar is going to go and we tell it where it's going to go versus it having us go in a certain direction. Wow, wow. So we can we can direct our money. That's correct. Okay. Absolutely. All right. I knew I'd pick up another trick or tip <laughs> today. So um, the next question that I had for you: What is the best way to set up your budget for success if you have a variable income? Mm, that's a great question, especially with our students who are working a lot during the summer, and then they're coming to school and they don't have that consistent income. So. We certainly can work within those bounds. I would say Mm -hmm. we need to look at what our fixed costs, so what are costs that we can't get out of Mm -hmm. that are always going to be there, and then what are the variable costs? What are the areas that we could kind of fudge on a little bit? So entertainment, food, expenses, gas, you Mm -hmm. know, let's find a friend. So with that... I like to look at it from the realm of the entire year, but then also look in a seasonal cycle. So if we know that we're going to work hard during the summer and make $3,000, we're not going to have any income over the fall. Then if we have that perspective long term, then Mm -hmm. over the summer, our budget's going to be very, very tight and make sure we're only meeting the fixed needs and then the variable needs. And then we can allocate those $3,000 that we make over the summer over the rest of the year. year. So it's really having that longer term perspective versus a day-to-day when we don't have a budget. That's awesome. So as we're talking, we're strategizing, Mm -hmm. we're thinking future focus. Uh, Let's debunk a myth that I've heard that you only need $1,000 in savings. Mm, that is a big myth. Yes. Okay. So what we would say is that is a baby step. Okay. <laughs> that is the first step. Yeah. But a truly good emergency savings fund, which is not emergency food or emergency clothes. It's for something such as the pandemic. Mm. Uh, the true emergency savings savings fund is three to six months of living expenses, which means first you need to know how much it costs you to live for a month. Hmm. A budget, right? (laughs) So we need to know what that is. And then we want to build up our savings. And I think this past year is a perfect example of what happened, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. There were only 67% of Americans had $1,000 in their account. Only 76% of Americans had $5,000 in their savings account that they could draw from from an emergency. So with those types of numbers, you can understand while we are in this economic cycle and crisis where we had to have these government funding available, right? So we've got to get those living expenses up there. Wow. So what's the easiest way to passively save money? For example, setting up a auto withdrawal from uh, a checking to a savings Mm -hmm. account. What's the easiest way 
to come up with that? Well, honestly, I think you gave the best example right there. I think the automatic withdrawal where you don't even really see that money, mm-hmm. um, especially if you have consistent income, that may a little be a little bit harder with variable income. So we, sure. like we said, when we're making money, we really want to tighten down, not mm-hmm. increase our lifestyle according to our income if that's only a seasonal type thing. But if we can get a consistent draw from a checking account into a savings account, so it's almost out of sight, out of mind. You don't even worry about it. That is the best way to do it. Um, The other thing is just really setting your mind on, this is a rule. It doesn't matter. I'm not going to break it. A rule is every single month I'm putting away $25. Even if it's as small as that, Mm. that's perfect. The other thing is, Set the bar very low if you're not even good at this. Yeah. Say $5. Just get in the habit and practice putting that money aside. Yes. Because we're trying to exercise these habits so we can get strong. Just like physical training. We've got to work at it to get good at it. That's right. So I'm here today with my good friend, Dr. Stacy Rhodes, talking about investing in your future, budgeting, tithing, and money idolization. Uh, We're talking about this. Um, creating a budget and what real life costs and tithing and breaking down money idolization. Mm. Um, as we're discussing today, uh, another question to have for you is what is a 401k and why it's important? And when should someone start investing in something like that? That's a great question. So the 401k is a retirement account associated with a for-profit company. So for-profit are those people who, those companies that make money. Mm -hmm. That could be Apple, Amazon, Target, Walmart. Mm -hmm. So they're going to offer a 401k, a retirement account, option to their employees. 403b are the nonprofits. That's the other side of things. So the only way you can invest in a 401k is if you're working for that company. And it's important because a lot of times those companies try to incentivize their employees to invest in their retirement by saying that they'll match up to a certain amount. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times that number is 5%. So they say, if you will invest at least 5% of what you earn, then we will also add that 5% match that amount in your account, which is free money, essentially. That's not coming out of a salary. That's just a bonus. The company will do that. Mm -hmm. Yes, a benefit if if you will take the practice of planning for your future. Mm -hmm. So certainly important to start as soon as you can. As soon as you get that job, as soon as you're eligible to sign up for a 401k, start doing it. Yeah. Uh, One of the things I do with my employees when I hire is to make sure they have a 403 the account. That's incredible. Yeah. Well, someone did it for me. Mm-hmm. A really touching story is I was working in the military and we had mm-hmm. thrift savings account. So it's the same thing, but it's from the government side. Absolutely. And uh, this individual came to me, uh, Sergeant Schroeder, if you're out there, I love you, man. Mm-hmm. He told me that I needed one, but I felt like I, I didn't have good spending habits at, sure. at the time. Um, I didn't come from wealth, so mm. I didn't have that understanding. Mm. But Sergeant Schroeder took out $200 and said, now go start a thrift savings account. That is powerful. It, it blew incredible. my mind. Absolutely. It made me trust mm-hmm. everything else that he told me about money. Absolutely. And over that relationship, mm. over the years, I've been able to give back to others. And that's why, mm. because someone took a shot or took a chance with me. Absolutely. Yeah. And took their own resources to help spur you on yep. to keep going. Wow, that is powerful. Thank yeah. you for sharing that. <laughs> no I love problem. That. Uh, it's a com- it's common knowledge 
that paying the balance of a credit card off at the end of the month saves the cardholder from occurring interest. Mm -hmm. What advice can you give someone who is not able to pay off that full balance? Yeah, I consumer debt is hard. And so one thing I like to ask my students is what is the interest rate on a credit card, the yeah. average interest rate? A lot of times we struggle with that number. A lot of times we're thinking student loans, but the average interest rate for a credit card is 16 to 26%. Yeah. Okay. Ouch. So let me throw out some numbers here because Help I feel us. like numbers throw, prove the point. Okay. So in 2017, the average American had $15,482 outstanding on a credit card. Okay. That was back in 2017. I have not looked recently. Ago. Yes. So in order to pay off that amount, it would take them 20 years paying $240 a month minimum payment. Minimum. That's just minimum. So 20 years of paying $240 a month to pay off that amount. So the total interest they paid over that time was $44,000. So for a $15,000 purchase, you're going to pay $59,000. To just pay the minimum. So consumer debt is huge. huge. So if you cannot pay off your credit card balance in full, do it as quickly as possible. Yeah. That is the first debt we want to worry about. Let your student loan. I have some students who in great hearts, great values, get the bug to pay off their loans. And they say, hey, should I do that first? And my first question is, what kind of consumer loans do we right. have? Do we have credit cards? Do we have automobiles? Mm -hmm. What are those interest rates? And let's knock those out because over the long run, you're going to pay more. Yeah. Wow. Thank you. Absolutely. So when you talk, uh, when you're taking out a student loan, how can students know when to say no to extra money uh, that is offered? And how can they spend that money wisely should they take it? That's a great question. I feel like, unfortunately, there is so much confusion around student loans because loans are easy to get for our students. And so they can get subsidized, unsubsidized, private loans. There's a lot of different loans out there. And so oftentimes they're provided the information of what they're eligible for, mm -hmm. but not what they need. Ooh. And a lot of times they don't know what they need mm. because we haven't done a budget. Mm. <laughs> it always goes back to budgeting, yeah, right? Yeah. And so because of that, we always wanna encourage our students and our clients that come see us at the center to sit down and count the cost. Mm -hmm. How much is it going to cost on campus? How much off campus? What do we have to have to live off of? Mm -hmm. And let's only take out the amount of student loans that we absolutely have to have. Oh, my goodness. This is not the amount that we need to live off of just for a shopping spree, like sure, you mentioned. Sure. But we're only taking out the amount we have to have because we also like to run the projections of when we can pay it off. Yes. And that's just good stewardship. And there's so many tools out there to be able to do that. Wow. That, with the assistance of people, it's pretty easy to run those numbers. So uh, only take out what you absolutely have to have. I am so glad that this center is on our campus so that we can help our student body make wise decisions. Absolutely. That's and it starts with a budget. Do. That's correct. <laughs> the budget, budget, budget. Yes. Yes. So when getting approved for a house or a car loan, should a person spend the entire amount that they are pre-approved for? Mm. I would encourage them not to. Mm -hmm. uh, I just, this is personal to me because I just sure. went through the process of buying a house myself about a year ago. It was okay. terrifying doing an adulting decision <laughs> like that. It was great though. I learned so much in the process and certainly had to wrestle myself about mm -hmm. here's what I'm approved for, but what do I truly need? Mm -hmm. And again, it goes back to what are my goals? And mm. if my goal is just to simply have the biggest house that I can possibly afford, right? Uh -huh. 
that's a sad goal. That's that's, a, that's the really only sad, sad thing if that's yeah. the only goal in life. But when I sat back and I said, wait a minute, I have a passion for giving to this. I have a passion for travel. I have a passion for family. Mm-hmm. So in light of all that, what can I truly afford mm-hmm. and keep in perspective the other priorities I have in my life? Then I was able to make a decision that was definitely less than the pre-approval, but also fit within the lifestyle that I was hoping to maintain. Man, that's great. So in Proverbs chapter 3, verse 9 says, Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of all your produce. Why is tithing first with your money important? Mm, this is a powerful question. I love to ask students around campus about tithing and everyone can give the Sunday school answer. Yeah, yeah. 10% is what yeah, we yeah, tithe. Yeah. And then when we start looking at our checkbooks, it's not reflected in our our faith, to mm-hmm. be honest. And your finances is an area where you can't fake Christianity. Oh my goodness. To be honest. I love it. You show me your bank account, your credit card statement, I'll show you your priorities. Yeah. And so there's a level of, not to say that in a judgment or condescending way, but there's a level of what is our heart? What is our faith truly saying? Mm. What are our finances truly saying about our faith? Yeah. And so when we don't give first, there's a there's an assumption that I know it's best and I can't afford to give and this is my money Mm. to handle with how I want. Instead of stewardship. Instead of stewardship. Instead of practicing contentment where Paul says in Philippians, I have learned to be content with just food and clothing, Mm. right? And so, and then showing our faith through our finances and then asking God for wisdom. And so we have a lot of conversations around our belief system because our behavior follows our beliefs. So if we feel that we can't give back something that God has commanded us to do, then it really is a heart issue versus a money issue. And I have students say all the time, but could I give my time? Could I give my resources? What if I'm my parents are paying me? How can I give something that my parents give are giving me to do? And, and my question back to them is just, you know, it's not on me to have this conversation between you and God about sure. what his giving is. But if we truly believe that everything is God's, and he's going to bless us when we keep his commands, can we afford not to give? Even if that's a dollar. Even if it's just a heart position of, I'm stepping out in faith. I haven't done this before. Mm-hmm. I'm going to trust you, and this mm-hmm. is what I'm going to do, just mm-hmm. out of faith and, and obedience. So I, I hear scripture ringing in the back of my head. Mm. Whatsoever a man's heart is, there his treasure will lie also. Mm, yes. You know? And so wherever we spend our money, mm-hmm. whatever gets our affection and our time, that's that becomes our God. Absolutely. Yeah. That's such a good perspective. And that that's so true. And that's the same outside of money. That's the same oh, yeah. with our self-image, mm-hmm. with everything we put our soul energy and effort to. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing I tell my students is, do you look at your finances with an open hand, as God can put in and take out as much as he wants, or a closed fist? Yeah. Once he puts it in, <laughs> it's mind <laughs> control, right? Uh, so if you sacrifice good. anything, it loses its power. Mm. So if you are terrified to put something in the tithe. Wait a minute, Dr. Rose. You got to say that again. You can't drop a bomb like that. Say that one, one more time. If you sacrifice anything, it uh-huh. loses its power. So a lot of times we just have to get in a posture of sacrifice and say, I am determined that this will not have power over me. So I'm going to give this, even if it feels very much like a sacrifice. I just want to warn you of something. I am a pastor, yeah. and when I hear good stuff, I preach about it. I love 
love it. So I, I will it. be preaching on that particular. Awesome. <laughs> I need to hear that then. I'm oh, going to have to listen. Don't you worry. <laughs> and if I make a, a book out of it, I'll cut you in. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. So for someone who is living paycheck to paycheck, mm-hmm. do they still need to tithe? And what steps can they take to change that lifestyle? Oof. Again, we go back to what are we going to step out on faith with? What do we believe that God says about money? And do we feel that God's provision is only to a certain threshold? Oh. Right? Do we think that, oh, he's provided me to cover just my resources. Mm. He can't do any more, so mm. I'm not going to tithe. That's essentially what we're saying. That's Thank you for providing for everything else. Now I'll just control I'll take it. it from I'll, here. I'll take it from here. So there's a level of what are we missing out on because we're unwilling to step out in faith. That and that's terrifying. That's terrifying. That is terrifying. Yeah. And you may not see a check written over an abundance in the first month you do it. Mm-hmm. But God is faithful. And yeah. where has he been faithful in everything else? And who's to say he's not going to do that monetarily? That is awesome. That's an awesome response. So could you describe what money idolization is? Mm. So idolization is that that first thing ahead of God, ahead of everything else. So that money idolization is just what captures us. Money is at the forefront of our mind, and it's above God and everything else. Mm-hmm. What are the common and overlooked ways money idolization can play into someone's life? Mm. I think this can often show up in things that we just don't budget for. Mm -hmm. So even if we do say that we're going to buy four cups of coffee a month, Mm -hmm. okay, but then we just play it in our head. There is a stigma going to a coffee shop. There is a lifestyle of going and being with friends and hanging out with friends, which is a beautiful thing, Mm -hmm. but there is something that we have to have. It Mm. just come creeps up and it could be right now. Goodwill shopping is big for the girls. I have several clients who are saying they're cheap clothes, but then I go to Goodwill and I rack up $30 every (laughs) week. That's a problem, (laughs) right? right? Because what they're seeing is this is what we do as society. This is culture. Mm. And so in this culture, this is what it looks like and you got to spend money to do that and so it just creeps up in these hidden ways rather than it just being this monetary grab of this fancy lifestyle because for believers we don't just lay down um, in front of another altar and willfully worship something different than the living God Mm -hmm. but with our attention and affection again uh, it goes back to whatever you worship you idolize That's and you give your treasure towards it, that, right? Exactly, exactly. Yeah. Whatever we're holding in high esteem, that is what we're going to be seeking. That's it. Mm-hmm. So how can college students break money idolization and to best follow what God wants to do in their life? I have such a healthy respect for students who are really pursuing this right now. Mm-hmm. Fighting against culture in a place where they don't have much money so Mm. everything is up in the air they're taking out student loans to be here Mm. they don't know what they want to be when they grow up Mm -hmm. half the time I still don't know what I want to be when I grow (laughs) up right there's just a level of the only thing they can control sometimes is how they spend their money Mm -hmm. and so you know if 
they can seek affirmation in the way they're spending their money, then there's that soothing and that affirmation that they're just not getting from the other areas. So I say that to say it's very hard. Mm -hmm. But again, our curriculum goes back to the heart first. Mm -hmm. And it goes back to that relationship with God and saying, you are the only person that can handle this. You're the only one that can fulfill and satisfy me. And so if you have so much to say about every area of our life and you give us 2,350 verses in the Bible about money, (laughs) materials, and possessions, Uh then obviously you feel some type of way about this. And so because of that, I'm going to seek you. I'm going to practice biblical principles and I'm just going to stay on the path even if I don't see repercussions of that until further down the road. That's good. But it all goes back to that relationship. And it's easy for me to give five rules to live by or five baby steps to get you financially successful. <laughs> uh-huh. But what that's doing is putting a, a, a Band-Aid on a boo-boo. As soon as the Band-Aid comes <laughs> off, you got to redo it, right? Right, right. But a lot of times we need surgical stuff. We've yeah. got to go deep. We've got to repack it. We've got to pull it back out. I struggle with this still every single day, sure. right? This is a this is a process. You mm-hmm. never reach the end and you're done because right. that is why the love of money is the root of all evil. Uh, it's constant. That's right. We never get past it. So if college students can just realize that it really goes back to their relationship with God, mm-hmm. that's the biggest thing they could do to start tackling this money idolization. That's good. So... I hear stewardship, mm-hmm. budget, and know who you're serving. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Great summary. <laughs> Absolutely. So what would you like to challenge our students to do? The ones who are listening today or ones who discover the podcast. Mm-hmm. What final thought for today? Because mm-hmm. I want to have you back at a later time. <laughs> I would love that. I would love right. that. What, what's your final um, ask or direction to them? Mm-hmm. You're not alone. I would say for the students who are listening to this podcast, they're obviously intentional with trying to pursue a healthier lifestyle. Mm-hmm. And I'm so grateful for your team that has mm-hmm. included finances as part as a, as part of a healthy lifestyle because it truly is a crucial element. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of times students are afraid to open the conversation because there's embarrassment. Mm. We t- already talked about, show me your checkbook, I'll show you your belief system and what you, <laughs> your faith. And yeah. so there's a level of students who are saying, who can I trust? Can I trust you not to judge me and what I've done? And am I the only one out there that just has no clue what's going on? And you're not. And so I encourage students to, again, be curious, start having the conversation, and please seek us out. The Center for Financial Literacy exists to serve students. We have this year, this semester, we're wrapping up the year with nine peer financial coaches. We've Mm -hmm. had over 200 in-person meetings. That's awesome. Creating personalized financial plans, answering questions, just being accountability partners, discipleship makers, just wanting to walk life with students who just want to do something different than their with their finances. That's amazing. So where are you located? So we are based out of the School of Business, mm-hmm. but the best way to connect with us is through our website, okay. which is liberty.edu backslash CFL. And so with that, students can sign up for free Totally free, 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 free peer financial coaching. That is amazing. Yeah. This service is something that when you get out of college, you have to pay for. And this is completely free to our students. So that's the best way. Uh, We may be getting more real estate in the future just because students are starting to come talk to us. And And they're busy. Yes. It's it's so needed. So. 
Oh, well, good. Dr. Rhodes, I appreciate you taking the time to be here. Thank you for investing in me and our listeners to help us to become financially literate. Thank you. And thank you for having us. I just can't thank you enough for partnering with us and your team. You guys are incredible. So anything we can do to help, we'd love to. Appreciate it.